Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We're going to talk about another awesome lady. Episode two. Episode two. Another lady I do not know. I'm so excited for you for this one. Not many people have heard of her. Okay. Which is a real tragedy because she's so cool. This is a learning experience. Um, so <laughs> today we're going to talk about Empress Theodora. Yeah. Any idea where what she might have been empress of? Absolutely not. Byzantium. Of course, that is what I was going to say. I know. Um, so Empress Theodora is most famous, I would say, um, for two different churches, actually. Okay. One of them is the Hagia Sophia, which is one of the most famous churches in the entire world. It was built by her and her husband, Justinian, um, still in, um, do they still call it Constantinople? What do we call it now? You know... Listen, I'm Armenian. I'm, here to, I'm, here I'm Armenian. Learn. I know nothing about Turkey. I'm, um, here, to, I'm here to learn. So, <laughs> um, shoot, what do they call it? Wow, I blank aggressively when we record this. Um, <laughs> whatever it's actually called. Istanbul. Um, yeah, so it's in Istanbul, and it's one of the most famous churches ever built. It's one of the largest churches. It's one of the great wonders of ancient... If you you know, say ancient architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually built by her and her husband. She's also really famous for the Church of San Vitale in Ravenna, Italy, which I have photos of. It's a podcast. We can't do photos. I know, but I'm showing you, and that's what matters. Oh, so I get special treatment. It's filled with the most unbelievable mosaics I've ever seen in my life. Let me tell you, everyone, these are nice images. Um, that's Justinian. Good bloke. And across the way, dressed in all of her finery, attended by all of her ladies, is the empress and saint, Theodora. I guess we don't, like, really pay attention to details of faces in these uh, works of art, because that they looks all like look the 12 same. of the same person. That is absolutely true. Um, just facially, Just facially, it's, yeah. it's a thing. But the church is actually, they're really cool examples of, a, like, experimental architecture. So the two, the couple was actually really famous for that, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mosaics are, like, some of my favorite pieces of art that I've ever seen, like, in person. I thought they were truly unbelievable. Um, and sometimes I just stare at them because I think they're amazing. Uh, it's fine. This is more of their... This is a judgment-free zone. This is more of their... Um, Beautiful. Some of their churches. This is actually a really interesting church. I don't remember what it's called, but it has like a weird baroque altar but like the rest of it's still byzantine it's kind of bizarre anyway so the empress theodore was born maybe 495 maybe 500 um big difference bce mm-hmm. some reports say that she was born in cyprus some people don't that's going to be a theme with this podcast is it's this episode is interesting because there's a really famous um there's a really famous uh chronicler Procopius who absolutely hated her and his work on Theodora and her husband Justinian were regarded as definitive works for hundreds of years and so although everyone knew he fucking hated them it you know his his take on her life and and even Justinian and their rule has been um is something that still to this day permanently taints her reputation and her Mm -hmm. image and it's really hard to discern what's fact and what's truth because you have only chroniclers and you have only people that you can listen to. There aren't phys- many physical artifacts except for these great pieces of architecture that she and her husband left behind and mm-hmm. some unbelievable legal reforms that we're going to talk about, but mm-hmm. which you know, I know excites you. Um, 
So did you say that because you saw me shiver? Or? I, you know what I saw it. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, he wrote many things about her life, and all of the things he wrote were tainted by his like aggressive hatred of her mm-hmm. and Justinian and Belisarius, who's one of the great generals of the of Justinian's rule, mm-hmm. and also his own weird like preoccupation with sex. He talks about her in such graphic terms that it's truly. Unbelievable. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, there's a, a lot of things that I can't quite... I think we need to acknowledge the cat in the room really quick. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm cat-sitting right now, and so we have two cats with us, and one of them, Mongo, is just swiping at me with her tail. She's not pleased that we're ignoring her. Um, uh, the plan wasn't to ignore the presence of cats in the room. It just... It didn't seem like it was the right time, and yet the cats have decided it is the I was going right to say, time. I think Mungo decided it was time. This clearly is the time. She's coming at me with that tail. I'm so allergic to cats. Yeah, that's an important detail we did not mention. My nose is so itchy right now, it's fine. Um, Goodness. So, yeah, so there's a lot of funny things about her life that, like, we can't quite know for certain. Mm-hmm. Um fucking cat um so i love the people i'm cat sitting for more than life itself Mm -hmm. so it's all worth it it's worth it also for me as an ardent lover of cats uh living with a mother who cannot support them i'm happy that you're having this moment today for me is a gift and for you a nightmare it's not a nightmare (laughs) i'm just allergic um so um so yeah, fun random fact that I just love pointing out too is that she was a contemporary of um, Nicholas of Sion, aka mm-hmm. Santa Claus. You're kidding, Saint Nick. You're kidding. No, she's a contemporary of his. So this is going to be an interesting tale Did because they hung out. No. Okay. Worth asking though, you know. One hundred percent. Worth. Checking if you out. hadn't asked, I would have been disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, so she was born around 495, maybe 500, um, Anno Domine, in the year of our Lord, whatever, mm. BCE, because raging atheist. Um, mm-hmm. And she was born to um, Acacius and a woman whose name they never thought about recording. He was um, a bear trainer, and her mother was an actress. So that is the life I'm trying to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, it's not. We're going to get into that. Why it's not. Um, So this is a time where, like, what your parents did is kind of what you were expected to do. So she had a bunch of sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And if your mother was, had the misfortune of being an actress, you, (laughs) and you'll see why, because the sex trade is intermixed with it pretty closely. Um, You know, if that's part of it, then your life is going to look a lot different than I think you know, but that's what makes Theodora's story in its of itself so unbelievable. Mm. Hi, um, sorry, cat. Uh, so she was born to born to Acacius, who was a bear trainer for the Hippodrome's Green Faction in Constantinople. Mm-hmm. And what I think is really interesting about all of it is that there were these two main factions in. Um, sorry, in Constantinople. Mm-hmm. There was the green faction and the blue faction, and they actually represented religious thought, but also think of them as, like, rival sports teams. So the Hippodrome is a central part of the old city. Mm-hmm. It's next to the Royal Palace. Um, I believe parts of it are still there, which is really cool. Um, never hmm. been to Turkey, because my family would disown me. Um, because I'm Armenian. Um, Sidebar. Sidebar nation. Um, so... But yeah, so she was born to a green faction family, which is really interesting. And her mother, like I said, was a dancer and an actress. No one knows her name because women. Um, Not important enough. It's true. So the green faction and the blue faction, it refers to this rivalry between monophysicists and, um, what is it, Maya physicists, also called Chalcedonian and anti-Chalcedonian. And it's a religious idea um, where a monophysicist I can never say this. I'm going to say anti-Chalcedonian and Chalcedonian. So Chalcedonians um, believe Jesus is the incarnation of eternal, as the eternal son of 
God or the word of God and he has a single nature, it's either divine or it's a synthesis of divine and human. He's not a two-natured being. Mm. And this is like a really essential argument that many churches still fight over. And the the rivalry between Chalcedonians and anti-Chalcedonians literally continues to this day within mm. the Orthodoxy Orthodox churches and other ones. I don't know enough about it because I don't know a lot about Eastern churches, mm-hmm. although my family comes from one, but like I don't know a huge amount. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting. Right. Um, so the green faction were Chalcedonian and the blue faction were anti-Chalcedonian. There was also a red and a white faction, but they were so small that no one gave a fuck. Um, right. So, and it's basically like a sports team mentality. They, if one team, it was with um, chariot racing, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, in the Hippodrome. It's it's just, it's the same thing, and that's what I love so fucking much, is, like, it's the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. It's just a different sport. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, like, how things, in... Things don't change, you know? It's, like, how, I guess, I don't know, in, like, Liverpool, there's two different football teams. Mm-hmm. And you either support one or you support the other. Right. That's kind of what this is, except, like, the riots would probably get worse. So when the riots would happen, but there was a political and a religious twinge to these that's much more intense than we would see now. So think of them as almost like a political party, but it's tied to a sports event, which is also tied to religion. So it's it's kind of an all-encompassing thing. It's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So she was born into a green family, but her father died when she was four, and her mother was struggling, and um, the they needed a new bear keeper, but they, you know, she, I think she got, her mother found another younger man mm-hmm. and was going to, this is again, I, a lot of this I can't know for sure, mm-hmm. but this is one of the tales that's told is that her mother was going to remarry um, and try to get her new husband, her old husband's job, but the green faction already had a new one, didn't want hers. Luckily, the blue faction's bear trainer just died, and so she was able to, like, offer up her children as supplicants and and her new husband and they actually converted to being a blue team. Mm-hmm. So Theodora becomes like the voice of anti-Chalcedonian and anti-Chalcedonianist movements like for the rest of her life. This becomes like an essential part of who she is. But so when she was around four um, you know she ends up, there's a tale that she and her younger sisters get brought to the Hippodrome wearing garlands and, and, and offer them as um, supplicants to the blue faction and she would, like I said, just remain this, like, ardent supporter of theirs forever. So she had an older sister, I think, or younger sister. I can't. It's very hard to tell. They don't really record a lot of things, unfortunately. But she probably followed her sister Kamito's example. And Kamito is actually a woman who remains one of Theodora's, like, closest confidants for her life, which is mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, she probably... Some... Okay, so this is the thing where, like, is it Procopius or is it... I don't know. The awful chronicler you know did she work in a brothel um as a you know serving low status people which is something he would say because he hated her um so some people are saying that that's what was going on more often than not she was probably just beginning to become a performer um the actresses at the time and dancers at the time it wasn't uncommon in fact it was almost expected that you would find like you would kind of become a concubine of like really important men Mm -hmm. um and there are benefits to being a concubine versus a wife, which we can talk about um, mm-hmm. later. But it's 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 an interesting thing because is she a sex worker? Right. I can't tell. Mm-hmm. And she started when she was really young. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so you know, so people are saying she began performing, and then her employment as an actress at the time included quote unquote indecent exhibitions on stage. Um, and, you know, provision of sexual services off the stage. And apparently she made a name for herself in this really salacious kind of version of Lita and the Swan, the great tale. Oh, wow. So there is this Procopius. This is one of the bits that he goes into in his chronicle, which I read that I'm like, dude, get your hands off your junk. Um, Because he literally, like, it's aggressive. Where he talks about how she has a real swan on stage with her. She puts, she's like basically naked. She's wearing like shorts and like a sports bra equivalent. Right. And she lays down on stage and like spreads her legs and puts like bird seed on her like vagina. And then the the swan comes and nibbles it. You know, that sounds like the box, the club in New York City. (laughs) Does it? It really does. 
Is uh, that the one where the women get paid like a ridiculous amount of money? I don't know. To do like the most humiliating things? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the salary. And I don't think it's, I think, I think it wouldn't be seen as humiliating. I oh, think, okay. I think it's a. Uh, Is it about free love? Well, it's like, it's like burlesque and performance oh, and cool. club. It's like there's a stage. It's it's a little bit more legit than <laughs> I initially made that sound. It's really cool. No, it's place. fine. It sounds interesting. For interested listeners, check out The Box. The Box. We should go. All right. Okay. Research. It's Pride Week. Um, yeah, Pride. research. Happy so, Pride, like, everyone. think of that. Um, mm-hmm. I am. So, again, that probably didn't happen, but, like, what a tale. Um so it was this kind of crazy tale of her and the swan, and it was this portrayal of Lita and the swan, which is already just such a weird fucking thing, and which is interesting because the story is wild, it, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the ones where you're like that and like the Golden Rain. I'm like, dude, love it, Zeus, you're fine, um, <laughs> fucking Zeus. But Le- without Lita and the swan, we would never have had Helen of Troy mm. and her brother. I think his name was Castor. They were twins, born I've- of that union. I genuinely I enjoy have, that story. I, it's just a whole. I love Greek mythology. We'll have to talk about it anyway. Um, so whether or not she was actually doing that, I don't know. But we're gonna put a hard yes oh, on that. You're gonna put a hard yes. <laughs> Chloe's made a decision. Um, As the historian of the two of us, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, 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 seal of approval from me. Amazing. Great. Moving forward. So it definitely happened. Um, yes. It didn't. We don't know. Um, tale of this tale is that we don't fucking know. Till you're dying and you must be truthful. <laughs> I can't help it. It's really annoying, isn't it? It's like a really horrible thing you're about like, me. I just don't know. I can't let them know that we're joking and they can't see my face. So, um, okay. Mm. That's a good point. We are pretty sarcastic people if people didn't Like get aggressively that sardonic. If anyone that we don't know is listening to this... <laughs> Someone once described me as a sardonic fox, and I didn't really know what to make of it, but oh, I I'm yeah. not angry. No, it's accurate. Right? Yeah. I'm not angry about it. No, I'm not a redhead, but I if I think, were, I think it'd make more sense. I, two things. First of all, uh, I don't think you can be angry about it if it's simply the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, you don't have to have red hair to be a fox. No. A fox is a way of life. Whoa. That concludes I'm my feeling, speech for today. I'm feeling a lot of things right now, and I don't really know what to make of it. Let's put a pin in that, and then... We'll have to talk about this later. Revisit it later. 100%. Mm-hmm. Sardonic Fox. It makes sense. I'm just saying it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay, yeah. So Theodora, she's probably performing. She probably ends up actually making a really good name for herself. And she, at this point, has probably taken on some really high-profile clients mm-hmm. in the capacity of a sex worker. Like, mm-hmm. it just... That's the nature of what she was doing. Um, it wasn't like frowned upon in the way that we would normally think of it because she was also a very public figure and that she was performing in the Hippodrome. So mm-hmm. like you're, you're kind of well-known. Um, at the age of 16, she becomes this like, not quite concubine, but kind of concubine of, I'm not going to say it right, Hecubulus, 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 H-E-C-E-B-O, L-U-S. He's, um, she moves to North Africa with him, and she's a companion of him. He's a Syrian official. And she actually stays with him for four years, and by all accounts learns how to run a household, becomes like, they built this unbelievable palace. He, he built the most ridiculous palace. She had her own wing of it. Ruins are still there, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also a dick. So he didn't treat her well. It was probably, it was a very abusive relationship. She was quite young. Mm-hmm. Um she was probably his concubine or equivalent of concubine. And the reason he wouldn't have married is probably because he had already been married. He was much older than her. Mm-hmm. Of course. <laughs> this is so itchy. Oh, um, <laughs> he uh, was already married, didn't want to remarry because if you had children with a concubine or a, a woman that you were tied to in that way, um, you, those, if she was an official kind of mistress status, like there was a contract <laughs> signed, mm-hmm. um, they would, the children that you had with that mistress wouldn't supplant the children that you had with your official wife. And so you could feasibly get married, live a wonderful life, but it didn't create problems with, um, uh, what's the word? 
just inheritance. Like, it didn't right. create problems of right. inheritance, and it just made things a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. Imagine no evil like stepmothers who take all the money and give it to their children. Like right. that couldn't right. happen. Right. Um, and so there were many benefits to them not getting married. Married, um, and she had a baby. She got pregnant. She has a daughter. Um, I don't know what's happening over there. Um, and so. Yeah, she was really not treated well by him, and so by the end of the four years, he kicks her out, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And um, she's 20. She 20. has a baby. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, probably has a baby. Right. We are 98% sure that's not a real percentage. To me, that's 100%. That, that Hecabalus' daughter is her daughter. Like, they right? have so daughter. Happened. So she makes her way back to Constantinople. She stops for a while in Alexandria... Um, and she meets the patriarch Timothy the Third, who was a famous anti-Chalcedonian. And um, not Chalme. <laughs> no, it's important to clarify. I feel like is he the big Timothy of the hour? Why are you even asking that? I feel are there other Timothy? Are there others? Timothy Spall? No, he's great. Hey, he's a great actor. We're not doing this. It's Chalme. I'm, but you can't I'm deny that Timothy Spall is a great right actor. Now. He's a great actor. So's Chalamet. Well, then that's on you. That's not on me. I know. I don't really like movies with teenagers, and I think because he, he looks so young, he only plays teenagers. Yeah. It reminds me of my unhappy teenage years. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I finally watched Lady Bird, so I have seen him. I finally watched Lady Bird, and I was just go. like, this just makes me depressed. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, it just made me angry. I didn't. And then nothing to do against the movie. Greta Gerwig's a genius. It's wonderful, but like, it's fellow just, Barnett alum. Hello. <laughs> Just wanted to put that out there in case any Barnard people are listening. It's exciting. Good amount of Barnard pride coming from my end of the room. There's no Hopkins pride coming from me. <laughs> there's like a very small amount of like Blue Jay, but there's a huge question mark after. Is that the mascot? Yes, it is. We're the Blue Jays. We sit in an area of the field known as the Nest. It's so bad it makes me want to die. Michael a, Bloomberg was a Hopkins. He's a Hopkins. Uh, I give that a negative three. I know. He's, a, he's our big guy. Bloomberg. He's given the most, he's the single largest donor to any one institution in like the world. He's given Hopkins, I think, $7 billion now. Wow. Literally something insane like that. Barnard could use some help if anyone else is listening. (laughs) (laughs) I refuse to donate to my school. You've taken enough of my money. Lies, I have a scholarship. He's still taken too much of my money. (laughs) I'm sure they still took a lot. Just too much. Anyway. Oh, so she, yes, yeah, so she meets Patriarch Timothy III, not Chalamet, who was a Chalced, uh, Chalcedonian, anti-Chalcedonian, excuse me, and it's said that she officially converted there, okay. um, and so the Chalcedonianist is come from, it, anti-Chalcedonianism comes from Cyril of Alexandria's Christological formula mm-hmm. that states, in the person of Jesus... He had a divine and a human nature that are united in a compound nature, or a physis. That's why it's called myophysism. And the two beings united without separation, without mixture, without confusion, without alteration. So it's in complete direct contrast to the other one. Mm-hmm. So it's the idea that they're one and the same. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, it's all stupid, and the fact that people have died over any of this makes me so fucking angry, and this is why I hate organized religion, but I digress. Um, so she meets this great guy. Also there, she probably ends up meeting um, Antonina and Macedonia, who are both former actresses and her friends. Yes, I wrote notes weirdly. Um, And she stays friends with them for like the rest of her life, which Mm -hmm. is really cool. Um, And Antonina, 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 whatever, I'm going to say Antonina. She ends up marrying Belisarius, who becomes this phenomenal, also bit of a dickish war um, general, who's Mm -hmm. very important um, in the combined rule of um, Justinian and Theodora. So, Mm -hmm. From Alexandria, she went to Antioch, where she met um, Macedonia. Or, um, yeah, so I think they were saying that she, in Antioch, she probably met Macedonia, and then I think Antonina was there as well. And they became informers for Justin, for Justin, who was the um, emperor at the time. Justin is Justinian's uncle. Um, Justin, there's so many of them, hmm. adopts Justinian. Justinian was born a peasant. Um, which is amazing, quote unquote peasant. But it, this is this society is so unlike any Western, like truly Western society, in that mm-hmm. like the rule there weren't the rulers weren't uh, 
you know, inherit the, the throne wasn't inherited. It wasn't high, you know, it wasn't anything to do with that. It, it, it was elected by the praetors and the senators and, and the patricians. So mm-hmm. this is a very clearly a holdover from the Roman Empire. I mean, I forgot to say, so this is in Byzantium. This is in the literal last vestiges of the great, once great Roman Empire. Um, you have the western part of it where the Gauls and the Ostrogoths are now kind of taking power and, and running amok. The Mongols are a serious threat. Attila the Hun is like this insane guy who's running around just like killing everyone and conquering everything. Mm-hmm. So it's this, it's quite a time, but you're also, these people live, some of them with kind of a memory, not in their lifetime, but like only a generation or two ago of this, the height of this great empire. Mm-hmm. And so if you can imagine knowing kind of that you're living in the vestiges of it, mm-hmm. it's maybe it's kind of what our own world feels like right now. Where you're like, yes. oh, this country was great. What happened? Anyway. Yes. So, that, but the, but the Byzantine Empire, quote-unquote empire, was, you know, still quite ambitious and still held in there. And so, you know, these the people who are ruling it are ruling it in such a way that, like, Western people won't necessarily understand, like, of their time wouldn't understand the structure of their government um, Mm -hmm. because it's not quite, it's not the same. But again, at the same time, this is the 6th century, so, like, you know, everyone's killing everyone to get the throne anyway. So, whatever. So they had informers, and so she was probably became an informer for Justin, Mm -hmm. um, and that's how, uh, you know, and Justinian, and that's how they end up, um, she becomes known to them. And so by 522, she's back in Constantinople. And there are some reports, ones who love her, um, John of Leyden, who says that she gave up her former lifestyle and became a wool spinner near the palace. So, you know, you never know. That's an insult, I assume? No, that was actually a compliment. Oh, that's a compliment. From a guy who liked her. Interesting. The other chronicler who, like, was too kind and you don't feel like there's a happy medium. Okay. Um, so I was going to say that doesn't sound too bad. It's not too bad. Okay. It seems a little, it's a little not, on, not her. It's not her, and that's why I'm like, whatever. Some say she did. Right. So by this point, she's met Justinian, mm-hmm. who's the nephew of the emperor, and um, he's quite young. Or no, he's no, he's much older than her. Sorry, lol. Um, he's older than her, and but he they became involved, and he really wanted to marry her. But there was um, a, a Roman law from Constantine's time that present that like prevented anyone of senatorial rank from marrying an actress. He was the heir to the throne, and so and was a senator, and no one could marry an actress. And I think it was because the trade itself was tainted with the sex trade. So tainted, quote unquote, with the yeah. sex trade. So you know he wasn't free to do that. But amazingly, three years later in 525, Justin repealed that law, and they got married. He repealed the law so that they could get married? Specifically for them. Wow. And we know that because, like, it provides provisions in the law for, like, inheritance of daughters. Specifically, she had a daughter. Right. Um, and there are other times where, like, we know that certain laws that are being repealed or changed or altered in meaningful ways are literally being done for her, by her, you know, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, and Justinian basically adopted her daughter as his own, which is amazing. Um progressive it's honestly so many things about the society seem so progressive and it's Mm. really phenomenal because the way that you were elected was you know basically they would present you at the hippodrome and Mm -hmm. like once the emperor died and it was like who's chosen but interestingly enough justinian and theodora are the first people who are lined up to inherit the throne Mm -hmm. um in the history of like the byzantine empire Mm mm-hmm and the reason that's happened that happens is because in um, they were made the Augustus and Augusta, um, and by Justin before his death, mm-hmm. and so it, it made Justin proclaimed as the Caesar um, of quote unquote the official heir, um, and it made him the first quote unquote son to succeed his father specifically in this manner mm-hmm. in this empire, which is phenomenal and amazing and weird. Mm-hmm. And so Justin dies, and they succeed to the throne in five twenty seven, and she became the empress of the Eastern Roman Empire. Mm. 
it, just think about where her life began, and already it's yeah. such a phenomenal rise. Um, she participated in state council. She helped him strategize politically, and he called her his partner in my deliberations. She had her own imperial seal um, and her official and entourage and court. And they lived in a separate palace within the royal palace, which is more like a compound. Mm-hmm. And then they end up um, moving into the main part of it. And she pretty much always maintains her own household, which mm-hmm. is really interesting. So the first like major thing to come up against this couple are the Nika riots in 532. And these are the first... There are two great things that almost tear down their reign and the empire as they know it. And mm-hmm. one is the Nika riot and the other is the plague in the 540s. So mm-hmm. the Nika riots happened in 532 on, I think it's January 28th. We know... Oh no, she died on January, sorry. June like 23rd or something. And which is coming up. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, it's the most violent riots in the city's history. Um, half of Constantinople burned to the ground, and tens of thousands of people were killed. Nice. Over, like, a weekend. Jesus. It's unreal. And so... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. People were really angry um, about taxation and um, just the fact that the rulers were who they were and the way that they were ruling. And he was an aggressive, Justinian had an aggressive agenda to uh, liberalize and kind of... uh, reform the government and Mm -hmm. he was going about doing that in such an interesting way writing entirely new tax codes writing entirely new legal codes and going on it was really unbelievable overhaul Mm -hmm. and um people were not happy about that but it started as i believe like a an entirely different um like main problem but it ends up boiling down to this day in the hippodrome mm-hmm. um an angry crowd confronts him chanting blue or green depending on what side and then that chant became a united nika which means victory or conquer or win and so the palace falls under siege for five days because they just riot the fuck out of the city mm-hmm. and the senator saw this as a as an opportunity to oppose him and declare a new emperor and justinian wanted to flee but theodora said no mm-hmm. we will not and um, so there was this escape route that lay open across the water. And um, so she said, absolutely not. And I have here her speech that she gave, which is really cool. And there are many translations, but this is the one that I like. Um, and this is recorded as having been something she actually said. Again, by different chroniclers who have their own agendas, but I love this. So she says, my lords, the present occasion is too serious to allow me to follow the convention that a woman should not speak in a man's council. Those whose interests are threatened by extreme danger should think only of the wisest course of action, not of conventions. In my opinion, flight is not the right course, even if it should bring us to safety. It is possible for a person, having been born into this world, not to die, but for one who has reigned it, uh, reigned it is intolerable to be a fugitive. May I never be deprived of this purple robe, and may I never see the day when those who meet me do not call me empress." If you wish to save yourself, my lord, there is no difficulty. We are rich. Over there is the sea, and yonder are the ships. Yet reflect for a moment whether when you have escaped, whether when you have once escaped to a place of security, you would not gladly exchange such safety for death. As for me, I agree with the adage that the royal purple is the noblest shroud. Mm. I'd rather die, basically, mm-hmm. than give this up. It's an amazing speech. Mm-hmm. And... and you know, basically also stating if we were to, if we don't flee and we lose, we die. 
if we do flee, no one gives a fuck, and former emperors never really live very long, do they? Right. So she's like, uh-uh. We're saying, and she's credited us single-handedly, like, saving the government because she refused to flee, and Justinian was like, yeah, I guess that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. So Whatever you want, babe. They came up with this plan with Narcissus, who was a, u- a eunuch. Eunuchs are a huge part of society. There was a big problem with people purposely castrating their children to become eunuchs because they would eunuchs were seen as, like, great not seen as they were like a facet of society that often rose to very high positions in government. So parents would literally castrate their children, men, all men, to become eunuchs on purpose to give them a better life. So it's debatable because like it often made them very successful, but at what cost, whatever. Mm-hmm. So Narcissus mm-hmm. is one of her faves. And there's this great plan with Narcissus and Belisarius, the general. Mm-hmm. Um, and he carries a bag of gold given to him by Justinian into the Hippodrome among, amongst a murderous mob. And he goes directly to the blue section where he reminds them that Emperor Justinian supported them over the greens and that um, the man they were going to crown, Hypatius, was a green. And then he distributed the gold. And the blue leaders spoke with their followers and spoke with each other in the middle of Hypatius' coronation. And they fucking stormed out and left and wouldn't stay for it. Um, then imperial troops came in and massacred the entire remaining crowd. So, what? The plan was basically, you know who your daddy is. No. <laughs> no. And what? Then, because the people who remained were the people who were leading the rebellion. So he, But he killed everyone. Jesus. I guess that's one way to assert dominance. And it's it really was, and it, it truly decimated the population to a degree. It's really something. Um, Jeez. They killed people of all ages and sizes and shapes and all the things. Great. Why would you have a heart when you could not have one? Yeah. But that's a mark of her reign. Theodora was not, I'm not saying she was like... An angel. No, by any means. Right. She is a saint, but, you know, that's different. Of course. So... And this was pretty much done on her recommendation. Most really ruthless action that comes from them comes from her. But also, she was an unbelievable reformer. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Pros and cons. And following the revolt and the burning of half the city, it gave Justinian and Theodora the opportunity to completely rebuild the excuse me, the city as they saw fit. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Hagia Sophia comes in and they rebuild this unbelievable church with this dome and it still pretty much stands. The, the dome, I think, collapsed like 15 years later, but they rebuilt it and that is still standing and it's mm-hmm. amazing. It's, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to go just mm-hmm. to see it mm-hmm. and then quickly leave and go to Armenia and pretend I wasn't there right. um, and be like, haha. So it's, you know, they, they, build up this city again in an image that they see fit. They dedicate many, many churches to themselves and to various people that are important to them. And it's about building an image, basically. And it's part of their larger series of reforms and also just an larger effort to reclaim the Roman Empire. He really wants to re-expand. And so, you know, she she was very particular about, like, court culture and everyone had to prostrate themselves in front of her. Meaning you fell down upon your knees, spread up, spread out your arms, um, put mm-hmm. your head on the floor and kissed your feet. Mm-hmm. And she was like, everyone does this to me. Mm-hmm. Everyone. And so that was a huge part of it and it made sure that court ceremony was like really important. She was very punctilious about it. It was really kind of, you know, every senator, every patrician even, and patricians are old Roman aristocrats, you know, mm-hmm. prostrate themselves before them. And... It's interesting because so Justinian becomes a, a, a and Theodora in five twenty three become patricians, mm-hmm. and that's done uh, because under Constantine originally before Constantine the Roman uh, the emperor, you know, patricians were aristocrats, but under him it became like a mark of a personal distinction and importance and so that event was like their first foray into the public life and so that Mm title is really important to them Mm -hmm. and it was this huge court ceremony it was this insane publicity and that's how she was able to move to the imperial palace that's how all that happened that was right when they got married but interestingly enough later on in her own time that is so below her and it's this whole thing that it's really interesting so 
So yeah, they, they're rebuilding the city. They're passing these unbelievable spiritual reforms. And fascinatingly enough, this is when you really start to see the tension between the couple because he is Chalcedonian and she's anti-Chalcedonian. Mm-hmm. And that is insane and mm-hmm. stupid and creates a lot of problems, um, which are really funny because she always ends up winning, um, which I love. And so, but she participates in his legal and spiritual reform. She passed laws that prohibited forced prostitution. Mm-hmm maybe from her own experiences, yeah. and was known to buy girls who'd been sold and freeing them and providing um, them, like, food and providing for their future. She closed brothels and um, made pimping a criminal offense. Uh, and then she expanded the rights of women in divorce and property ownership. She instituted the death penalty for rape, forbade exposure of unwanted infants, um, gave mothers some rights over their children, and forbade the killing of a wife who committed adultery. So... This truly, truly unbelievable reformer and champion of women's rights. Like, Mm. OG champion of women's rights. One of them. That makes it feel like Mm -hmm. the question marks from before probably did happen. I agree. Because we know I she, feel like a lot of people tend to fight for things that they went through. I couldn't agree more with you, and that's why I don't think that they didn't happen it's to what extent they happened clearly she grew up in a time where she was taken advantage of and and her position Mm -hmm. but she also completely flipped the script on them and used it to her advantage i think the idea of her having property rights and in divorce she knows she literally got kicked out right and had was a single mother and had no money and you know nothing and Mm -hmm. it's just you, you can tell that comes from... I, I feel like you can tell that comes from a place of personal experience. I think and, it, it seems like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, she she's this really phenomenal woman. It's just... She's complex because she's quite brutal mm. at the same time. But mm-hmm. it's not gendered, her brutality. It's loyalty-based. And it's, right. it's, you know, she fights for what she believes in. And literally, people would were terrified of her because... Mm-hmm. If you didn't agree with her, you knew what happened. Whereas he, Justinian was known to be like a little more temperate. Mm-hmm. There's a funny um, tale about this um, village in South Egypt. Not a village. Town. Um, Nabatai. Nabatai? Whatever. And their inhabitants um, and religious conversions were fought over by the two of them. So Justinian wanted, them, wanted missionaries to be sent, basically, to convert them to Chalcedonians. And she heard about it and was like, oh, fuck no. They're going to be anti-Chalcedonian. And so she... Um, made her own missionaries, wrote to the Duke um, nearby and said that he should delay her husband's embassy so her missionaries would get there first. Uh-huh. And he did it because Justinian was so easygoing and she was 100% unforgiving. So, mm-hmm. like, you would rather let him, like, kind of deal with it. And then, so he held back and then the town was converted to the way she wanted, which I fucking love. Um, so she's this really funny kind of figure because she's so specific and, you know... So she really worked against her husband's support of Chalcedonian Christianity and was a lot of the time accused of fostering heresy by the the Chalcedonians. Mm -hmm. Um, She founded a monastery and provided shelter for anti-Chalcedonianist leaders who faced opposition from the majority of the Chalcedonians. Um, The Patriarch of Constantinople, Anthimus, had been appointed with her influence and after his excommunication order, she hid him in her quarters for 12 years. So her quarters in her pal- in the royal imperial palace are filled with people that people across the hall in the other palace call heretics and you know sinners and the worst people and they're hiding in plain sight but completely under her own protection. Wow. So she provides for them and she creates a haven. She creates um, Procopius says, you know, going back to her reforms for women, she f- has women leave prostitution and sex work and she provides like a has them go into like an anti-chalcedonianist um monastery basically and procopius says that the women are so upset they throw themselves off the ramparts and kill themselves i don't think that happened i really think they probably were just like there and maybe you had one or two who were kind of depressed mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that happened but you or know he voiced you know disagreement yeah, or something maybe but yeah. he's like they killed all killed themselves um right. so that's where again the tale comes in but so she she provides havens for people, I think. And again, I think that comes from her own experience. But mm-hmm. I, I don't want to sugarcoat her own brutality and the way that she responded to things and right. issues. Um, 
when Pope Silvarius in Rome refused her demand to remove Antimus, um, she wanted to remove his excommunication and reinstate him. Mm-hmm. Pope um, Silvarius refused. She sent the general Belisarius to remove Silvarius, and he did. So she just got the Pope gone. And, you know, it's... Makes it look easy. And at the same time, Justinian, you know, they're fighting with the Persians. They're fighting with all these different invading forces. They're going through a lot of time of hardship, but they're Mm -hmm. also... It's these great waves of, like, huge success and not-so-great success. So it's a really fascinating time. And it feels like they're at a crossroads in this specific point. Um... You know, they're building these great churches. They're they're instigating so many unbelievable things. By the end of their marriage, she's living, like, across the river from him. Okay. Like, across the strait. And they, I mean... It's, like, an extravagant version of, like, same room, separate beds. But, and that's the thing, is, like, it's... And it wasn't because they didn't have great affection for each other, but what's fascinating, considering her earlier life, is that their relationship really wasn't based on physicality and intimacy in that way. They never had children. She never had another kid. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably couldn't. And, um... You know, so they probably stopped being, like, sexually intimate with each other after, like, ten years of marriage, and... Which I think is really fascinating. Um, So, in... It's 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 this it's an interesting kind of time and you know you have these two brilliantly powerful people mm-hmm. where the dominating one of that pair is the wife who was a former actress like mm-hmm. it's it's everything so the plague hits in the five forties so they're rebuilding rebuilding after the Nika riots and then in the five forties the plague one hundred percent decimated the population. Um, it was one of the great crises crises of their reign because literally so many people died that infrastructure crumbled. Right. And um, Justinian really, in in his earlier rule, was so influenced by Rome and the history of Rome. And after this, that became more strident, and also mm-hmm. his religious notions became a lot more important to him. And mm-hmm. so, you know, because at this point, like I like plague is literal wrath of God. So there was a point in the 540s where, um, I think it's like 546, the plague has been literally going on for five or six years. I think it's something ridiculous. Like, I mean, there was one town where it was said that it it killed literally everyone but eight people. Mm. A thousand. I mean, just... Because before this, the Bubas had never really hit... Bubonic plague had never really hit the eastern front, mm-hmm. if you will. So... Mm-hmm when it hits it it does in a way that's just they've never seen anything like it no one's ever seen anything like it and there's no rhyme or reason that's the funny thing about the plague is that like you either get like violently ill and sick and then maybe get better or you got the bubos Mm -hmm. and if on the third day you didn't die you lived but there was no rhyme or reason for why you didn't get it or why you got it and lived or why you got it and died it didn't make any sense it killed a lot of old women. It killed a lot of old of young children. It also killed a lot of people in their prime. Mm-hmm. And then it left... Every, it, it just made no sense. And mm-hmm. so when that's the case and you have no medical understanding, it's because you've incurred the wrath of God. And a lot of people were blaming Justinian for it and wanted to blame him for it. And so his religious convictions became a lot stronger, as did hers, which is funny because, again, they did not match. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's kind of like they find themselves in this really fascinating part in their reign, and unfortunately, she passes away in five forty eight. She probably had cancer. Um, again, cancer comes back, man. June twenty eighth, five forty eight. Empress Theodora passes away. She's buried in the Church of the Holy Apostles in Constantinople. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's said, you know, that her influence on Justinian was so strong that he after her death worked to bring about a harmony between the Chalcedonians and the anti-Chalcedonians in the empire. Mm-hmm. And he was also said to not have passed any other really great laws or to have to done, have done any really important work after her death. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not quite true, but the influence clearly was missing after she died. She becomes a saint in the Eastern um, churches and which I love. Um, and, you know, Justinian ends up invading uh, and Belisarius end up invading um, Italy at some point, which is why you get a lot of influence, and part of it was like them going to Rome and just being like, uh, peace out, Pope. Mm-hmm. And you know, Justinian has this great idea, he wants to expand the empire, he wants to bring it back to where it was, and then like she's 
she's there with him and supporting him, but she also hates a lot of his advisors and is like always intriguing against them. So there's this whole courtly intrigue part of her right. life that I think is really fascinating. And she really hated um, one of the Johns. Uh, I forget his like title, um, but who was like his tax reformer and she hated him so much. She ends up getting him like basically killed. And like a lot of the people that she really hated, she would trump up charges against them and then they would be tortured and mm-hmm. would either die or just live forever in exile. And, you know, Belisarius Antonina, who is a, her dear friend has so many affairs against him that she ends up trying to leave him and divorce him. And so, but they had this like insane partnership and relationship. And then Theodora ends up really hating Belisarius because of it, which is really interesting. So it's, She's this really complex figure, and we know so much about her, but we also know fucking nothing, and it mm-hmm. drives me insane. And her legacy continued. Her daughter married um, a really important dude. Again, we never found out her daughter's name. Uh, her sister, Komita's son, her nephew, mm-hmm. marries one of the great... I think marries Antonina and Belisarius's son mm-hmm. or daughter, which is really interesting or something. like. There's So she she ensures this kind of dynastic inheritance um from her own people and she brings up people with her which i think is really cool Mm -hmm. um so yeah she's she's this really complex figure and she's preserved in these gorgeous mosaics and and i remember the first time i saw it i got a little emotional which is kind of stupid but like you're in this church and it's this really really truly like tranquil church in Mm -hmm. ravenna because you, when you're touring Italy, you're going to all these great places. There's so many people, you can't really enjoy it as much. But right. Ravenna is not... It's it's so Eastern that it's a lot of people don't go. It's right on the water, basically. And I, like, forced my parents to take me. And it's this... It's It was, at one point, the capital of the Roman Empire. So it's it's this great holdover. And you the architecture there is amazing. And I remember, like, I studied an artist during high school. The, these mosaics, they're really famous. And I remember walking into the church and I knew exactly where to go. Mm. And I just kind of stood there and I stared at her for a bit. Because it's really powerful in person because she is, the way they have it set up in the church is that she's literally parallel to her husband. Mm. And they are both beneath Jesus and God. And mm. that's it. They are one and the same. Wow. And I always remembered the tale of her life and where she started. And I mean, truly what a success story. Mm. Like what an unbelievable character. Through everything good and bad that she ever did. Like, what a fucking life. It's unbelievable. <laughs> this is a very curtailed version of her life. I just reread a 400-page book on her, which mostly talked about men, because mm. that's always what happens. Because they're the ones that matter. Well, they're the ones that, unfortunately, history recorded. No, I know. Yeah. I feel like I talked at you this entire time, and I'm so sorry. No, this is fascinating. Also, slightly, um, not more up our alley, but a very specific portion of the acting part was interesting and learning about how acting was somewhat equivalent to prostitution is kind of fun to learn about. Not equivalent. They went hand in hand. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like you could, I think you could just be a sex worker or you could just be an actress, but... Many of them sought basically job security, and the job security was you found a rich dude, yeah, and you kind of were like, "I'll go with you for a bit." I mean, not to say that things haven't changed, <laughs> but have they? But there, there's still that aspect of actors being underpaid and trying to find jobs that'll su- like supplant some sort of income that will 100%. allow you to be able to act. So I, and I, what I was most struck by when like doing the research on this because I'd never really looked at her, into her that in depth and into the Byzantine Empire that in depth which mm-hmm. real shame right is that so much of their society was more recognizable to me than medieval than mm-hmm. early modern than even renaissance like right. so much of this was more felt more contemporary so interesting isn't it and then I feel like acting regresses and then only men are allowed to act in cities right yes but that's wild to yeah. me, you know? But again, this is Eastern. This is... Yeah, I guess. This is a lot more... This is in, literally at the crossroads of trade routes. This is... Right. I feel like so much more porous and, and able to take in more influences and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, you go to England and it's a fucking island. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
literal island. <sighs> Blocking out ideas left and right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we are surrounded by an ocean. Come at us. You can't. Like, <laughs> does the Spanish Armada literally get blown across the... Yes. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth's like, God loves me. Well. Welcome to English history. I mean, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love it. Do you have any questions for me? Uh, like... No, I guess, is the short answer. I feel so bad. I feel like I just talked at you the whole time. No, no, no. Do I have any questions? No, I feel like that was like, that was what we know. We know more. I just didn't go into it. But but mostly this is what we know. Mm-hmm. I knew I'd bore people, so I tried to keep it to it. <laughs> you tried to highlight like the soap opera bits. Yeah, which is why my notes are all over the place and it's only three pages. Those are, again, for those of you at home... <laughs> These are very neat and comprehensive notes. They're not neat. And I don't know what Nothing's you're talking about. Nothing's ever been neat. You have a couple words scribbled out. You're writing in pen. I did do that. I just like That's the way normal. it feels. That's I like normal. the way it feels. I don't like writing Oh, that wasn't an accusation of pen usage. That was, okay. I'm just saying, like, of course you're going to have a couple words scribbled out. That's Whole crazy. sentences. Well, just... Also, the fact that, like, I was reading the book after I made notes about her life, and so mm. I had to go back and, like, put in other notes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and then remember, like and the then book? I had to remember. Was it a good book? Um, it was an interesting book. Okay. You liked the information, not necessarily the mode of expression? Yeah, I liked his writing. He kind of writes like I do. Mm. Like, you can tell his voice is very clear. Mm-hmm. That was always my, like, criticism by teachers. They're like, more, we know, like, you don't even need to put your fucking name on this paper. I'm like, right. is that a bad thing or a good thing? I think it's a good thing. Wait. I personally find that more interesting to read. I agree. I always, I'm like, so what I'm hearing you say is that you like it. Yeah? Yeah, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're like, just fine. We know you're not going to so change it. So it's an A+. Plus. I mean, <laughs> once in a paper talking about the original early modern and earlier tale of Red Riding Hood that we mm-hmm. now know as Red Riding Hood, mm-hmm. which of course has elements of cannibalism in it. Uh, I said that the reason the tale was changed and no longer included that was because it was hard for Victorian audiences to digest. That's just going to get a long, silent reaction from me. <laughs> It got a aggressive smiley face from Professor John Marshall. So, would you mind delving into what an aggressive smiley face looks like? It was like? in red pen. It was very large. Got it. He was British, so in my head it was more exciting. No, that's a bigger deal. I feel right? Like. When he s- loved. I adore that man. Yeah, one of my favorite professors. When someone who's kind of uh, flies under the radar a bit gives you a big show of uh, approval, it yeah. means more. And like. Hopkins is great because it was only ever really small classes and like discussions and I never shut the fuck up clearly so mm. we got along swimmingly mm. um, and he was like Maura just imagine you two in a pool what? it's summer okay I've, I've got swimming on the brain you said we got along swimmingly I did do that yeah and I did I was that. like oh you got along while swimming I did that if you wanted to take a walk through my brain that was it. Thank you so much because I need it. Start need, to finish. I need the map because I was. <laughs> those, those were all the thoughts. <laughs> okay. I need the map. Okay. <laughs> so that's the my brief version mm. of Empress Theodora. Empress Theodora. Saint and Empress. An important. Ally. What did this book call her? It was. Should I like cite the book? I mean, I read a lot of articles. It wasn't just one. It was Theodora, actress, empress, saint. It's not a bad title. It's not. They put actress first, which is interesting. Is that just alphabetical? I think they, w- they went through... Um, her life? Yeah. Stages of her life. <clears throat> Chronological and alphabetical. Indeed. A twofer. Woo! What an exciting time. I've never been more excited. How do you feel about Theodora. Which, by the way, means gift of God in Greek. Of course. <laughs> um, I'm going to be honest. Some of the violence, not at my alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't support that. Mm-hmm. It is cancel culture era that we live in right now. I feel like if this was happening right now, she'd be canceled for murdering people. I think she would be canceling people, but yes. 
I see your point. She was in such I a position of power where she would have just been like, no. Yeah. Hello, Wow. Cat. What a nice punctuation to that sentence. But I know what you mean. I know. That's why it's, it's hard for me to unconditionally so love her. that. But then again, like, you know, we love an actress. We Follow do. Craft, you know? We do. We love one. We yeah. love one. And she, again, honestly is a historically badass broad. She 100, she fits into the category. She just fits right in. Perfectly. I love that. And on that note. On that literal cat singing note. And you putting in the title of the podcast, which we finally came up with. Oh, yeah. That was exciting. When that, that was happened. exciting. Um, there was a lot of alliteration going on in the process of us coming up with that. Very true. And we settled upon, I think, something truly great. Yep. Like Broadway. Bronze Broadway. Yeah. That was uh, my thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw that. It took me a second, but I got there. I just wanted to give you another map. Thank you. I needed it. I needed it. Thank you. So, yeah. Thanks for tuning in again. Thank you again. We appreciate your time. We do. We hope you like these things. And again, if you feel like reaching out about, I don't know, people you'd like to hear about or ideas, I'm always excited to hear about them. And, like, through doing the research, I I end up writing down all the different ladies that I want to talk about. There's a Fredegunda... Is a is a new fave of mine. She's badass. Well, you can't tell me that because I can't, you're gonna forget her name and it's gonna be fine. Um, I, will, I literally I just already, wanted to say I truly already Fredigunda. forgot. Um, <laughs> Gunda? whatever. So yeah, there's there's always things and reach out to us. We also just if you're interested. We like you. We like hearing from you. Please do let us know Chat what you think. Us. Hey, come hang out with us. Do this with us. You know. Uh, that's no. it. <laughs> That's uh, that's step two of this whole thing. I think it is. I think you're right. You gotta make sure the fans feel the love. Yeah, you know our fans. All of them. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks again. Have a great week. Yep. We'll talk to you soon, I guess. I guess bye. Bye. <laughs>